Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name is Jeremy. And it's B-Sides, again. Woo! Never get tired of saying B-Sides. You, you know what my favorite jukebox is? Is the jukebox that's filled with nothing but B-Sides. Is that a thing? No, but I wish it was, because I, I actually do generally like the B-Sides. Sometimes. Depends on the band. It, sure. Yeah. Sometimes the B-side is just the dumping ground for whatever demo they cut before they had their pop song. But every now and then, you know, there's a there's a good cover or good alternate version of another song. Or if you're t- like going back to the Beatles B-sides, you're like it's quality hits. Yep. Yep. Wasn't Rain just, uh, just a like B-side? Just like we're going to do today. <laughs> Uh, I, yeah, when the rain comes. Yeah, that's a great song, but I don't think it's on any of the the mainline albums. It's a single or a B side of a single, right? All right, I challenge you to name a Beatles song that is a bad song. Mm. Ah, boy, there's one I don't care for. I don't know if I could call it a bad one. And you can't go off the um, the uh, the, the Yellow Submarine album because that. The second half of that album is not technically the Beatles. I think there's a song on Rubber Soul that I don't care for. I don't remember which one, though. There's <laughs> one where it's all in like the same key, and I just don't like it. But I don't know what song it is. So there you go. That's, that's, my, that's, my Be- that's the Beatles song I don't like. You know, actually, I take it back. Uh, the Long and Winding Road, I you, despise. Have you heard Paul McCartney's version without the strings? Yeah, you're talking about like the, wow, what's it called? Let It Be Naked. Yeah, and I definitely prefer that album over just the the normal Let It Be. But I think even in Let It Be Naked, they still have that, that huge orchestral stuff happening. There is stuff like that, and there's alternate things. But uh, they, they definitely, on the long and winding road, I think he, he strips it down way to just, like, just down to the Beatles. Yeah. I still don't. I still don't like it. The long <laughs> and winding road. Dun dun dun. No, I don't like it. I just, no, that that see that dun 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 is not in the naked version. No, it's not. Yeah, I'll have to listen to it again. But I don't know. Even the lyric, everything about it, the flow. <laughs> I just don't like it. All right. There you go. I named one. I don't. Now I can't say that that's a bad song, right? Because it was a number one hit for probably a decade. So. Comes on the radio. Do you turn it off? Oh yeah, absolutely. Really? Okay. Oh gosh, yeah. That qualifies then. <laughs> so that just means I don't like it, but that doesn't necessarily make it a bad song. What about what about the Stones? But like uh, pre seventies. I don't know. I'd have to dig into that catalog. There's not pre- many pre eighties. Yeah, there's not many Rolling Stones songs that I don't like, but I've not really listened to an entire album that's pre eighties. And I bet you if I did, I'd probably not like 60% of it. Really? Probably, but I don't know because I, I don't really have a uh, – I think the only albums that I've listened top to bottom are from the 80s, and I like all those. So you don't think you would like the pre-80s material? There's a, there's a good chance. Okay. <laughs> well, that's interesting because generally the consensus is that their pre-80s material is their best material. That that very well could be. All, all, all I'm saying, Adam, is um, 
since it hasn't been part of my music sphere, there's a good chance that I put it in and I've just missed the fuss. Yeah, that's definitely true. So I went through a Rolling Stones phase myself. Now there's also a chance that I listened to it and I'm like, this is brilliant. But well, it's probably going to be a, like, you know, it's, it's not like so from my experience of listening to all of their albums prior to the 80s um, and some after the 80s. Uh, was that they're kind of they're they're more they're definitely more hit or miss. But when they hit, boy do they hit. But when they miss, boy do they miss. <laughs> what about Mick Jagger solo albums? Those are good. Are they? No. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't know. I, I I think that I can recall a half of a second of a video from are, the nineties. Are you thinking of the the David Bowie? No, no, no. That one I could probably remember most of because that, that video is ludicrous. But uh, <laughs> um, neither of those men really know how to dance. Oh, my God. It's amazing. <laughs> um, but it's I think it's in a subway or something. It's like we, he had a, like a brief 90s or early 2000s resurgence. And he had a he had a, it was a kind of a cool song. And then there was a video accompanying it. And I think it had something to do with the subway. But uh, that's not going to help you at all. Oh my god! I I had to stop listening there because there's like a arachnophobia happening in my basement. It, this giant spider, and I thought I killed it. And I don't normally like to kill spiders because they eat bugs and stuff. I usually like to catch them and release them. But this guy looked like he could eat my hand. <laughs> um, How big are we talking? Well, I mean half dollar size, but still, that's pretty big okay. for a spider. Yeah, that's big. And and fat, not like a daddy long legs that's like a really tiny body and like really stringy legs. Like like this like thing. Wolf spider. Yeah, this thing was hairy legs and and the whole works. Um, I missed him, though. And so now he's on my floor. So I'm kind of worried that he's coming for me. He's going to jump up. Ah, he might. <laughs> right in the middle of the podcast, we're going to hear, ah! <laughs> and they never heard from Jeremy again. This is the kind of material we cover on B-Sides. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about Excalibur while I, I, I sit cross-legged in my chair for fear of that <laughs> spider coming and biting my ankles. Do you have a uh, spider phobia? Uh, I, I mean, yes and no. Like a little spider I'll capture with a cup, right? And I'll, I'll take it outside and, and let them go. Because, like I said, they eat bugs. Um, but when they're bigger like that, yeah, they're kind of scary. Or they come down in your face? That's never happened to me. Oh, that's uh, happened. I used to have, uh, well, I, there, I used to have a dirty basement, and go into the basement, and one would come down. <laughs> yeah, the sad thing is, is I've got like a finished, clean basement, and I still get these gigantic spiders from time to time. Well, spiders are everywhere. You know, oh, it doesn't no. matter how clean your basement is; they're going to show up in the house. At least they're not like those uh, silverfish or those earwigs. Those guys are creepy. Yeah. Yeah, we got earwigs all over the place outside, but not inside, thank goodness. That's good. Well, let's talk about Excalibur, Adam. Um, Excalibur number 32. Yeah. Um, Chris Claremont is back. He's back to to take the book off of hiatus, I guess. <laughs> yes. No more fillers. This is actual stuff. It is. Excalibur number 32 features, uh, I don't know, kind of a confusing cover. It's a it's an Excalibur team that you definitely know is alt- alternate because the Captain Britain is female 
Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. you look at the remaining members in the background, I would argue that on first glance, you wouldn't be able to say like, oh, those are boy replacements for the female members. I would agree with you. And I would go so far as to say it took me a couple pages to realize that fact. <laughs> yes. And then you've got Kitty, like a really nice drawing of Kitty in the foreground, um, sort of surrounded by these phantom girl heads who, again, <laughs> at first glance, you're like, who are these girls? And then yeah. you've got you've got a woman in the background who, uh, once again, at first glance, I'd be like, oh, that, that looks like Megan, kind of. To be honest, I'm not sure who this is because there's I mean, I'm going to I'm going to go in, on, a, on a like limb and say it's Courtney Ross, but. I honestly don't know because it could be a couple of the different people. I don't know because her hair is this. This woman's hair is pretty wild. She's got a headband or like a I don't know what you want to call that, but um. So who are you thinking it is? Like I said, to me it looks initially like Megan, but that doesn't make any sense given the context of the issue. Courtney Ross makes a little bit more sense, but this is never how she's looked. So I don't know who it is. He just says, Girls' School from Heck, part one of three. And uh, the shadow of Heck says hell. Oh, I didn't even catch that. Um, the There is a headed mistress in this issue, but I, I don't think the headmistress looks like this woman at all. So and there's, there's also that crime boss lady that it could also be. Mm. Who we'll get to. We'll get to when we get to her. Slash he. So we open up the comic, and it's very confusing. There's a... <laughs> There's a Nazi with a skull on his cap pointing at us, ordering the Eternal Reich to attack and destroy Excalibur. Yes. So we know that there is an alternative dimension with Nazis from previous issues of Excalibur. I don't know that this is necessarily that (laughs) timeline, but we never met the Excalibur version of that world i guess so maybe this is i don't know i i I mean the whole sort of excalibur alternate reality nazi thing came from chris claremont i mean he kicked off the time time caper so uh, it it never explicitly says it but if i were to guess i'd say that yes these are if i were a betting man yeah but there's no not no evidence to really back it up so you're kind of watching the next page. It's a two-page spread, and it's the whole team kind of just doing their thing, taking out these Nazis, giving a demo of their powers. Um, in the foreground, in the foremost foreground, you get Nightcrawler, and it's a very normal-looking Nightcrawler. And then you've got Megan and, and what looks like Kitty. And uh, I think that's they, Rachel in the background. They get name-checked. They do. We learn that Megan is now Morgan. Mm-hmm. And Phoenix is now Arizona. Yep, clever. And uh, Kitty, who is... Shadowcat is now... Shadowcat, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> like brain freeze there. She's now Dark Tiger. And Nightcrawler is... Still Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. So Which like... threw me off, because I, at first I thought, when Nightcrawler calls Megan Morgan, I was like, is that a typo? Yeah. And I don't even think I really caught that. I think I just kind of like... Read this really quickly. Turn to the next page in which Nightcrawler is sort of like fawning over um, the the lady, Alisanne Stewart. Alistair Alisanne? Yeah. 
I even read that wrong because it's Alistair Stewart in our timeline, right? Right. Which so, I'm assuming is the guy that they're, no, that's Commander Thomas. Yeah. So um, I got, I got all sorts of confused and maybe that was the whole point. I was like, oh, okay. Well, are they doing like a alternate reality, like Nightcrawler's gay? I mean, that's cool. I thought they were too at first. And I was like, well, that's progressive. But yeah. then they, they make it clear in the next panel that. It, he has a crush on the lady who is standing behind Commander Thomas. Yeah, and so, yeah, sort of reading the flow here. Um, the, the boy is so transparent about his feelings for the brigadier, and the brigadier is Alison Stewart. Right. Uh, but so. the only reason I, I – so I read it quickly and didn't catch that it was Alison Stewart. So I was like, oh, Alice, okay, night, this Nightcrawler has got a crush on Alistair Stewart. Well, that's fine. Uh, and, and it's further made more confusing because as they're sort of doing this whole thing, it's a man that's reaching out his hand to sort of like thank the team for their assistance. Yeah, I mean, it's a totally – if you're kind of glancing over it, you totally might think that because in the panels, Nightcrawler never once interacts with Allison Stewart. Nope. <laughs> and then so uh, very muscly and busty Captain Britain shows up and I'm like, wait a minute. So then I had to flip back and be like, what's happening? That's when I read everybody's name. And then as you continue to read forward, you realize that um, Captain Britain is a female in this reality and everybody else on the team is a bunch of guys. Yeah. So um, I was like, okay. Where's, where's the line? Shouldn't be too hard, too hard on the lads, Captain. They're just boys after all. And they've done well today. And that's when I was like, wait, what? And I, and I had to look and I was like, well, they look like girls, but I guess they're boys. Yeah, it's it's comics, right? So they all have the same, more or less the same hairstyle. It's also the 90s. All boys and girls look the same in the 90s. Yeah. I mean, if you look at when you look at it, like the bottom left panel, none of the characters other than Nightcrawler really look like they're supposed to look like. And so at, at that point, you're like, OK, these are just young boys. Yeah. So that now they're going to go study. They're going to go study and they're doing boy stuff. And uh, somebody's got a looks like a porno mag or something. I think it's called is it called Babe Magazine? Yeah, Babe Magazine. Yeah, it's <laughs> probably not a porno then. It's probably just like a swimsuit illustrated. Or yeah, something. it's like the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Babe Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> and so Captain Britain walks in and she's like, "Who wants some hot cocoa?" And then. She reads A Tale of Two Cities to them. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Please, miss, how can it be best and worst? <laughs> <laughs> then they all get they all get tucked into bed. And well, they Cap never learn to properly put away their clothes in time with guidance. They represent the bright and shining future of the realm. She steps outside and takes her helmet off. She's got long flowing hair in the sunset. I don't actually see her face, which makes me wonder... There's supposed to be like some sort of reveal, but uh, probably not. We turn the page. Because as we turn the page, it appears that this whole thing was somebody's dream. Yeah, it's she's the uh, prime minister, the, the queen's first minister, and she's getting a psychotherapy session. Psychotherapy, psychotherapy. And uh, as she excuses herself from the session, the man closes the door turns out to be mesmero mesmero when did we last see mesmero i the, i remember when he was facing off with beast in the circus hmm. way back and he was like sprawled out 
in a sexy pose. Yeah, that's the last time like I recall a, seeing him. Like a Jeff Goldblum sexy pose. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, it's me, Mesmero. That's my sexy voice, in case you missed it. <laughs> oh, Mesmero, you sly devil. This is the jackpot you've been looking for your whole miserable life. <laughs> He's a therapist for Queen and Country and... Uh, yeah, it seems like he's he's on the level, sort of, you know, even though he's sort of cheating people. But yeah, well, I, I would say that he's probably got ulterior motives, but I don't. Well, know. I mean, we sort of learn by the end of the issue that he his his ulterior motive is just to make money. Yeah. So it's not a huge thing. I mean, I, I guess the question is. Since he doesn't actually have a, a therapy license, he could be doing more harm than <laughs> right. help. But other than that, it's not like he's robbing a bank or anything. So we turn the page and we finally get the title for this one. It's called Someone Will Die for This. Someone will die for this. Yeah, it's it's not messing around. And finally, we figure out where did Kitty go all of those issues ago when Courtney Ross lent her her car and said, you should go to school. And so now she's sitting in the headmistress's office, um, talking through her admission. Miss Rutherford. Yeah. And uh, so she's like, I know this is going to be a considerable adjustment for you because you're an American attending a British school. And then Kitty goes through her sort of litany of like, I was a founding X-Men, and Excalibur, I've been to galaxies, I've seen gods and demons. And we'll hear that again throughout the issue. But I'm Shadowcat. <laughs> no matter what, I always land on my feet. It's classic repetitious Chris Claremont dialogue. Yeah. We get a lot of dialogue here where she's kind of like, well, this is a little fishy. Like, I, I thought I was going to a different school name. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of odd things happening here. St. Cyril's or something like that. And she, it's a different name. The There's missing trophies from the trophy case. Um, and then the weirdest thing is as the headmistress sort of is like, all right, well... Um, until you start making friends, you're going to be a bit of an outcast, which is a weird thing to say. But then she goes in and gives her a kiss on the cheek. Which, you know, is a normal thing. But the way that it's drawn, it looks very affectionate. Like if I'm if I'm not knowledgeable in the ways of uh, European culture and I'm a little kid reading this in the 90s when this came out, I'm like, whoa, what? Yeah, there's something about this drawing um, that it's either not drawn well or that it means a lot more than than it's actually saying at the moment. And it I looks don't... like a passionate kiss. It's not supposed to be a passionate kiss. Yeah, and it you know, and that's what I'm trying to get at is I, I don't think the intention here is for there to be a lesbian scene in this comic. I, I think the intention is for like you said the the european kisses on the cheek but i just wonder if be, uh, the way that it's drawn and sort of the closeness of everything that's happening there if this is going to come back and mean something or if it's just not really well um staged i think it's not well staged and part <laughs> of the problem is that the left i think the left arm of kitty looks like the miss rutherford's hand so that makes them like it makes it look like Miss Rutherford is gripping Kitty as she pulls her in. Yeah, kind of. And you can't get a real sense of perspective because there's word balloons on top of things that would give you a measure of that perspective. So it looks like they're like super close in together. Um, yeah. With uh, headmistress planting a, a what? Yeah, what looks like a passionate kiss on Kitty's cheek. 
But that coupled with the whole, like, it's not going to be easy until you make some friends just sort of makes the whole thing kind of weird. And I think that's some of that's on purpose. Yeah. And then as she leaves, Kitty touches her cheek because that's where I think it's to be to be to make sure that you realize that's where she was kissed. (laughs) Right. In case you were worried because the artist was like, whoa, wait, this is a little too much. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, so she she, Kitty thanks her and, and goes off to her room. And evidently she's got the the turret of this uh college yeah how does that happen or dorm if you will so she lives in like the castle tower she's either got the best room or the worst room in the house depending on who you are and so as she goes in there she sees some girls presumably the girls that were on the cover of the comic and they're rifling through all of her stuff which is a real terrible thing to do come on her stuff is all over the floor and they're like we're just trying to help you unpack trying to welcome you so you're the new girl. And Kitty's like, British all, version. And Kitty's like, all right, all right. And she even thinks to herself, like, I'll, I'll make nice, you know, I'll hold on to my temper. And she's like, I'm Kitty Pride. And then a girl's like, how nice. Here, look, this is her diary. She was in love with a guy named Peter. And then Kitty. That's my diary. Kitty loses her mind. And she's like, that's private property, you slug. Keep your now and forever. I am Phoenix. No, she says, now and forever, you keep your grubby hands off my things or else. And, and so. The woman, the woman whose name is Veronique bumps into the back of the thing, knocking her unconscious, possibly. Um, and the leader of the, this gang of girls punches Kitty Pride out with a sock. Kitty's like, wait a minute. My natural state is to be intangible. How is she able to punch me? And uh, it's dark in the room now. I don't know if this is just for effect or if somebody turned out the lights, but... Maybe when the lady fell into the wall. Oh, yeah. Because there's a click there, so maybe we're just not seeing that the lights went out. And so Kitty attacks both of these girls now, and that's when um, the headmistress and a teacher or security or somebody comes in and is like, what's going on here? What the devil is going on here? And then the girls are like, she started it. And Kitty's like, that's not true. And the headmistress is like, I need you to write St. Cyril's teaches young girls to become young ladies a thousand times in your finest penmanship. I want to know what happens to these girls. Like, they should be getting, like, nothing. clearly they went through their Kitty's stuff. And she says, they were in my stuff. And the response is, how else were we going to make you feel at home, silly, than by putting away your things for you? Clearly... Looking at the situation, that is not what happened. <laughs> yes. And, you know, I don't know. This is either more evidence that things aren't on the up and up at St. Cyril's or or it's bad writing. I don't know. But you're right. If you walk into somebody's room and there's a fight happening and there's three other people in that room and a bunch of stuff strewn on the floor, this probably isn't the right conclusion to draw. <laughs> and well, I mean, at, 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 at any rate, like... They should all be punished or, you know, doing like a breakfast club thing. Right. That's how they get to know each other. Yeah. And then they become the very best of friends. Right. Uh, So she, Kitty doesn't have the best penmanship. So she's got to do this a few times before she finally gets the hang of it. Yep. And uh, much, much later. Yeah. In our deal for both of us, Catherine, I trust the less such I will have to endure. I don't know if we've caught this anywhere, but she says, my name's Kitty. And she's like, that's a kid's name. You need to go by Catherine. 
Um, I don't know if that's later or before, but that happens yeah, at some point in the issue. It definitely happens. Uh, here it is. Perhaps one reason you persist in such childish behavior is your continued effect, affectation of a chi- child's nickname. Yeah. So Kitty heads up to her room and she can't phase at all anymore. So her powers don't work for some reason. And she gets to her room and she's like, Ugh, all my stuff's gone. This is not good. Changes everything. No way do I stay in this dump till I find out what's inhibiting my powers, she says, as she decides that she's not going to stay, but then ends up staying. And yeah, her room is trashed completely. All my best stuff. They took everything. I hate this place. I hate these people. I want to go home, but not until some way, somehow, I get even. Meanwhile, Excalibur is dealing with... I don't even know what's happening here. So there's this gangster from older issues of uh, Excalibur who is the crime lord of London, I guess. I forget what her name is. It's in here somewhere. Uh, Hillary? No, that's not it. What? Vixen. She's Vixen. Oh, okay. And she might. she's another contender for the lady on the cover. Oh, she could be, yeah. But the last time we met Vixen, and we'll find this out shortly, uh, she had been merged with the Nigel Frobisher. Yeah, and the last time we saw that, Nigel Frobisher uh, was, a, was a woman? Yeah. Yeah. So, had, and is that because Vixen had, like, possessed him or inhibited uh, um, um I don't think it was Vixen's doing. I think it was those other world... Uh, Oh, Ellen the the crazy Grant. gang or whatever. Yeah, the crazy gang. I or thought maybe it, maybe it was Jamie, uh, Jamie Braddock. Ja- yeah, yeah, he. Yep, it's going back a while. There was a doc. Yeah. Jamie Madrox was there, and then at the end of the issue, Nigel Frobisher was a woman. Yes. Anyways, there is a woman here who has the same earring as. Nigel Forbrisher is here. So there's a connection. And I guess he can maybe just change his appearance. Yeah, well we don't we don't really know what's going on. Just that Vixen is apparently robbing a uh National Gallery in order to get some paintings to steal for to steal them. Uh Excalibur shows up, she takes off and runs away, and then Nigel For for Frobisher Frobisher <laughs> shows up in a garbage can as though Vixen had knocked him aside into the garbage can. Megan tries to help him out of the garbage can. But, as you said, he has the same earring as Vixen, so he is Vixen. This round to you, heroes, but rest assured, my uh, day as Nigel and Vixen both is coming with a vengeance. So I don't don't know. I don't remember how we left off with Nigel and Vixen. They got merged, I think, and... uh, Apparently, he can jump back and forth now. Yeah. Yep. Last time I think we saw that character, Art Adams was drawing. Who, by the way, is not drawing this issue. Alan Grant. Meanwhile, Kitty is... Uh, this This is reminiscent of, like, horrible late 70s and early 80s, like, teen horror movies where, like, all the kids are just being terrible to Kitty. Somehow they fill up her locker with sand all of the kids stand completely to the other side of the lunchroom as she's eating her meal. I'm not sure what's happening in the shower room, but Kitty does not look happy about it. 
Yeah, I'm assuming the water is too cold. <laughs> I'm assuming that the water is cold. But the, the weirdest thing about it is like these three girls are just like watching Kitty as she watching. takes a cold shower. And it's like and Kitty's expression is just like, oh, my God. And it's like, this is awful. I mean, you get sort of a Carrie vibe in that thing. Yeah. The shower has got blood coming down. <laughs> it's And it's all done in like a like a black and, and blue and green sort of like silhouetted. So you, you can't tell sort of what what colors are happening there. It's definitely done in in a montage. Uh, they knock her papers down. They knock her down and all of her papers. Uh, I think they go into her little tower and throw all of her clothes out the window. They're just they're just terrible to her. And I'm gonna go that the cover girl is this blonde on the right side of the page. Oh, I suppose it could be. Yeah, she's got the same headband, the same sort of wildish hair. Um, I don't know why she would be on the cover, but I guess she's the leader of the. The bad guy girls. She's Phoebe. She's the leader of the bad guy girls, and she stole Kitty's jacket. Oh, that's right. And she's wearing it as we speak in yeah. this panel here. It's like a cowboy jacket with lots of, I don't know, what are those things called? What? <laughs> those little things. That oh, are yeah. The uh, little little fringy things. Fringies, fringes, fringels. I'm sure there's a name for whatever those things are. And I think you're right. I'm going to go with fringes. I think that's that's the word that I was pulling for. And in the 80s, oh my God, this would have been the coolest. Heck yeah. I'd have worn the crap out of something like that. I'd been like, look at my fringes. Check out my cool fringe jacket. <laughs> so Kitty gets all dressed up in like a black outfit and she's like, uh, I'm, I'm going to go find out what's happening here. So Kitty... Previously had said she was going to leave, but apparently she changed her mind. Well, she wants to know, like, why her powers aren't working. But she said, I don't want to stick around here until I figure out why my powers are working. But then she said, now I need to get even. So I guess getting even is more important than worrying about your powers. Yeah, I mean, the logical thing with all of this abuse that's happening would be to just leave. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But somewhere in here... I don't know if it's coming up or if it's already happened. She's like, well, I could, I haven't seen Excalibur in ages and I could go back, but I just can't. And I don't know why. I think she thinks that Excalibur is dead. That's because she came back before they did. And that's when she was hanging out with Courtney Ross. And the two of them were kind of feeling bad about Excalibur being lost in the time caper continuum, whatever. But she doesn't know. I don't think that Excalibur is back because otherwise, why wouldn't she just go, hey, guys, you're back? I don't know. We'll have to look for it. I thought that there was a line in here of, uh, oh, here we go. Not that far from, it's on the next page. Yeah, it's on the next page. Not that far from Excalibur's lighthouse. I could hitch my way over. No, I haven't been back since I returned to Earth. Too many painful memories. Okay, you might be right. So she thinks that they're dead. She can't go back to the lighthouse because she, her friends now aren't excal isn't excalibur like sort of like national superheroes wouldn't they be on the news she's not watching tv apparently or listening to the radio and if you have a superhero team in your town i mean people got to be talking about like hey did you see excalibur they did this thing last night it was so cool Every time she hears it, she's like, don't talk to me about Excalibur. I got to go. <laughs> yeah. And that's why the other girls are like, she's weird. Let's throw all of her stuff out the window. <laughs> so anyways, as she's kind of walking around, I don't know what she's doing. Oh, she overhears a conversation from the, the headmistress 
realizing that there's money issues and that the school is running the risk of being shut down. If the school debts are not paid by the end of the month, this movie will end. Uh, Sir Robert, I am begging. You are you are our last hope. Is there no way? I see. I see. Do you think it's uh, you think it's Bobby Drake? <laughs> Wasn't he in a, like an accountant? That's I don't know. <laughs> I think he was. I, I think the the one minute that he left and did normal stuff, he was an accountant. That's who it's got to be then, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, so she says Kitty's leaving right now and she says that's tough she deserves better students will do fine that kind always do if i was kitty i'd be like that teacher sucks she made me like (laughs) write this phrase a thousand times apparently repeatedly yeah because every time she gets punished by those girls she fights back and she ends up getting more punishment so she ends up tripping on a rock and lo and behold she phases right through a wall i can phase a field effect then something about the school so even more weird and a good reason to not go back to the school is the fact that she can't phase at the school yeah and she's like yeah all the more reason then to get as far from here as possible so she calls courtney ross in the middle of the night courtney answers the phone and kitty hangs up is this what i've come to running away from a fight so yeah i guess the only reason she sticks around is she wants to get back at those girls she got too much pride too much kitty pride? Too much kitty pride. So she either joined the field hockey team or this is gym class. But either way, she's going to be playing some field hockey. And somehow she's able to sneak up on, on the gang there. And uh, they're all like, how did you get here? And she's like, I don't know. I'm kitty pride. <laughs> the field was empty when we came out here. Where did she come from? I've been here all along waiting for you. She keeps calling these girls Phoebes, which is kind of funny. You Phoebes? Phoebes. Impossible. Not hardly Veronique for a deadly killer demon ninja. I thought I thought this was a yeah well and and there's there's a lot of truth behind those words well uh, there there definitely is but to anybody else it's like oh god oh god this, <laughs> this girl is crazy um, this was a stretch I thought when she says you should have kept on going Yank and she's like I'm a Cubs fan call me a Yankee them's fighting words and I was like ah, that's a long way to go for that <laughs> but I guess she and they don't even it. understand what she's talking about she's talking about some stupid American game. <laughs> Baseball, baseball actually yeah anyway so they're they're gonna play game on your goalie and uh so we get another montage it's a it's a pretty brutal game uh kitty's getting tripped and uh elbowed in the chest and in one page it looks like she's getting smacked over the head with one of these field hockey sticks she gets yeah. double checked but nevertheless, she takes all the punishment. She's still standing, and the game towards the end is zero zero. And somebody in but was watching through binoculars. Yup. And so Phoebe, uh, the Phoebe, she the comes in for a score, and she hurls the ball towards Kitty. Kitty knocks it out of the way uh, towards back towards Phoebe. Phoebe who's about to smack it into the goal, but Kitty is able to catch it away from her and just throws it square in Phoebe's face. <laughs> Ow! And then says, that's my jacket, Phoebe, and yanks the jacket off of Phoebe. And oh, so she, she's only calling 
Phoebe Phoebes. I think you're right. It's yeah. A, it's a nickname. I thought it meant I'm like Phoebes. Like you Phoebes. I thought people. so too. I thought she was calling all of them Phoebes. Yeah. But now I'm thinking she's just calling uh, the Phoebster Phoebes. Yeah. That's my jacket. To tell the truth, a lot of things are mine are going missing. I want it stopped. I want them returned. Oh, by the way, we win. And she tosses the ball in her own goal. <laughs> well, I'm assuming <laughs> it's the opposite goal, but. You know, the goals are pretty close in this drawing. <laughs> I don't understand how this works because Kitty's in the goalie net at the beginning well, of this page and then throws it into at, the goalie net at the end of the page. If you look at the Feebster, she's like on the floor, kind of in the middle of the field. And I think she's supposed to be closer to the oh. uh, the net behind Kitty. So Kitty's like crossing out and being like, we win because I just threw this in the thing. But then she does say nice game Phoebes to everybody. So I'm not even sure if she's who she's calling Phoebes anymore. I, I guess it doesn't matter. What confused me is because she addresses the entire group a lot as Phoebes. But yeah. anyways, uh, and that's it's Courtney Ross that was watching through binoculars. And she says, very nice kitty. Couldn't have done it better myself. Hope you don't mind me spying on you. But I can't wait to see what happens next. Me neither. Meanwhile, in London... Mesmero is in his bed sleeping, and some robots say, we need you to take over London. we got to use your powers and your the thing you got going on right now with the rich and upper crust to, uh, to do evil things. This is potentially too highly profitable an enterprise to be left unexploited. You will either cooperate, mutant, or you will be killed. Uh, well, since you put it that way, I'm yours. At least until I find a way to beat you. He thinks. So there you go. So yeah, that 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 was Excalibur number thirty-two. Yep, sure was. It's it's uh, you know getting back on track. Things are going on. I'm assuming you know Excalibur will meet back up with Kitty Pride in this issue. Maybe they'll even fight those alternative reality uh, people, Excalibur people. Who knows? What I do know. Excuse me. I don't know this. I feel like this is probably uh, Chris Claremont's farewell three-parter. Well, yeah, because he is uh, he is about to leave the company yeah. altogether. So, yeah. 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 Well, we're not done talking about Excalibur because Excalibur shows up in issue number 427. Of Thor. Of Thor. And I don't know if we've got quite the right chronological order because Kitty's a part of this roster, but that's okay. Yeah, this either takes place before the cross-time caper or after the – well, we don't even know how they get back together. So it either takes place in the future or in the past. It doesn't really matter. What does matter is uh, the Juggernaut is back in town. Well, is he? Well, maybe. Or is – I mean he doesn't appear in this issue, but everybody is talking about him. At the beginning, they talk about, I believe you all know the gentleman in question, Kane Marco, better known as the Juggernaut. Until recently, he was guest of Her Majesty's government, the maximum security prisoner in Crossmore. In a manner which we have yet to determine, he has escaped from his stasis cage, which held him completely immobile. And then he fought Thor. Yeah, which we covered. Yep. Uh, this isn't the beginning of the issue for those of you at home following along. We skipped the Thor parts. Yeah, nobody cares about the Thor parts. We, we're not a Thor <laughs> podcast. He does some Eric Masterson stuff and there's a girl. I don't care about any of that stuff. <laughs> and it's, and he's got a son. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a British person telling a uh, Excalibur yep. about the Juggernaut. And they're sending Excalibur via airplane 
over to the States Yep, for some reason, even though they can fly on their own. Well, I'm guessing because uh, Juggernaut escaped from Crossmoor, England. They're like, well, this is a got to avoid international issues. Um, the Wrecking Crew shows up. That's fun. Uh, Spider-Man's in there. Yeah, Spider-Man is just going by. I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening in this issue, but mainly uh, the Thor and the Excalibur all end up on the same rooftop fighting the Wrecking Crew. And then the leader of the Wrecking Crew, who is who has a name. <laughs> <laughs> Crowbar Wrecker, Man? maybe? Crowbar? I'm going to go with Wrecker. Okay. But I don't actually know. Uh, something's wrong, Wrecker. Okay, yeah, it is Wrecker. I got it. I got it in one. Well yeah. done. I got my uh, Wrecking Crew trivia. <laughs> um, Wrecker has mysteriously got some Asgardian powers in his crowbar for some reason. And uh, Ulick and um, what is this lady's name? I don't know. The uh, Enchantress. Enchantress, yeah. yes. Yeah. She's there too, but they're invisible. They're just watching stuff. So Night uh, Nightcrawler and the Excalibur gang all start fighting the um wrecking crew before thor arrives and they're doing pretty good but then as soon as thor arrives wrecker uses his as guardian powers to make thor appear to excalibur as the juggernaut and so excalibur starts fighting thor slash well, they think it's the juggernaut but um they're they pretty much are getting beaten and the wrecking crew is escaping and then kitty pride phases thor into the floor which, we, is answer, which is great because I've always wanted to know what would happen. Yeah, I think you ans- asked this question last uh, last week or last time we did one of these podcasts. Well, that was about if Nightcrawler oh, that's right, into, that's right. uh, or, uh, teleported into something. They're very similar. Yep. And uh, I imagine we'll end up with the same result. But yeah, so so Kitty Pride at the last last uh, result, like uh, in desperation, uh, a stunt so desperate that I never... T- attempt to do it on any living being uh phases juggernaut into the floor of the building but it's actually thor and uh, why is thy purpose what is thy purpose what dost thou attack because he's like he sounds different nothing like the man i know i'm making you intangible intangible and phasing you into the dark (laughs) but i'm going to release you so that you will become permanently bonded with it and you will never move again and she does in fact let go of thor who she thinks is the juggernaut and the final panel is him uh in the concrete screaming screaming in agony yeah perhaps it's a wilhelm I would imagine that this is going to resolve itself in such a way that because it's Thor, he could survive it. But if it was anybody else, right, they'd be liquefied or whatever. Either that or they will say that, yeah, maybe Kitty Prize will realize in time what she's done and then like deface him. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think you're right. I think it'll be because it's Thor he can survive being phased. And then I wonder, there'll probably be some explanation of like, oh, one more minute longer and he would have been permanently fused there. I'm glad yeah. I'm glad we figured this out before it was too late. Totally. But yeah, there you go. I, I don't think I ever thought we would see this moment, but here it is. It's a visual. Yeah, it she happened. She did that thing that she said she'd never do. Uh, and we we were all there, everybody. 
<laughs> we were there first. Well, I mean, you know, sort of. Not the first time it happened, but the first time on this podcast. How about talking about the Fantastic Four number 347? Um, so this is another one we're going to start way towards the end. Quick plug, though. Okay. If you need your Art Adams fix. Oh, yeah. It's got it in spades. Boom. It's all right here. And there's a lot of stuff happening in Excalibur World. I accidentally read the issue prior to this, which I was like, why is Adam having me read this issue? It has nothing <laughs> to do with the X-Men. And then I was like, oh, I misread the numbers. So then I read this issue. And uh, there's a so, lot of stuff happening in Fantastic Four right now with like the so thing. You, you read the previous issue of Fantastic Four? Is that like the dinosaur one? They're on like Dinosaur Island or something? Yeah, but when they're on that island, both Ben Grimm and it's Sharon, Sharon, right? Is her name? Yes. Neither of them are things, and they're like able to like, like be people. Uh, Is that the one where they get it on? I don't know if they get it on. They probably do. I didn't really read it that closely. Oh, okay. Thing has a thing costume, which I wasn't sure if that was like a super powered costume or just a costume. Yeah, it's a thing. It's a thing costume that Richard Reed Richards designed him. I don't know how it works. It's stupid. <laughs> but as they left the island, Sharon was like, "Oh, Ben, no!" And she turns back into Rocky, Lady Thing. And then this issue picks up. So, I mean, and, isn't there yeah. also an appearance from the Time Variance Association who? Yes. Uh, recently appeared on the. In, in the Loki limited series on Marvel television. Yeah. And that's what I was like, did Adam have me read this because it has a reference to the TVA? Cause that's weird. <laughs> no, that's, that's not why I had you read that issue. Cause I didn't have you read that issue. I had you read the next issue. And then I was like, well, that's weird. I didn't really, I, I honestly, you know, since I don't really follow Thor, fantastic four or Avengers, I actually thought the time, the TVA was a wholly unique creation for the Loki show. But ah, well, now you know nothing is unique. <laughs> nothing is. Everything is a stolen or repurposed idea. Absolutely. And then there's this one panel uh, in this Fantastic Four issue where they're flying over an island and the island has a face. And I was like, oh, my God, is that Krakoa? Is that why Adam's having me read this? <laughs> nope. It's, was, it's not Krakoa. Was that in the 347 with Art Adams? Yep. It's on page 13 or oh, page 12. Is. Oh, yeah. I just noticed that face. I didn't see that the first time. That's kind of cool. Oh, and then there's also Skrulls. But basically, uh, the Skrulls invade the Fantastic Four. and So, yeah, there's a lady Skrull who kidnaps all of the Fantastic Four and pretends to be uh, Sue Richards. Then there are other Skrulls who are after her. And then she realizes they're after her because they release a bunch of Mole Man's monsters across the world. And so she decides to put together her own team of superheroes to go kill the other scrolls under the guise, again, of Sue Richards. And the team she picks is Spider-Man, Hulk, Wolverine, and Ghost Rider in our first podcast Ghost Rider appearance. Yep. And um, she, she convinces them that the, uh, the Fantastic Four is dead. So it's a revenge mission. Yeah, there's a lot of trickery and and tomfoolery that happens that leads up to all of the fantastic four people getting um taken out she's also like a low-level telepath of some sort because she's able to get into their brains and be the people that they wouldn't suspect in order to knock them unconscious reed richards is the only one who sort of stands his chance because he's rubbery yeah but even he is uh eventually knocked out 
So there you go. Uh, the new Fantastic Four 348 will will pick up uh, and and read about Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, Wolverine, and Hulk as the replacement Fantastic Four. I actually have this issue and the next two because I was at the time buying every Ghost Rider appearance there was. Are these worth anything? I feel like they would be. They might be, but I'm I, I can't imagine they're worth all that much. Kind of rude of Wolverine. He's like. Just saw that the FF are dead and Sue Storm's the only one are alive. And he's like, just call us the new FF, Webhead. Let's go kick us some butt and take some, some names. And she's like sitting behind them crying. <laughs> it's like, come on, Wolverine. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe he secretly knows it's a scroll because he's Wolverine and he can detect stuff like that. So he's just being a jerk. Yeah. I mean, we've already established that most writers don't know how to write Wolverine. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is more of a a tact issue. This is like a thing of like anybody saying this is kind of a jerk. But yeah, I mean, the 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 Wolverine in this wasn't terrible. No, there's a there's a funny moment where they're all standing outside of the Baxter building, and uh, Ghost Rider rides up the building to get to the top, and Hulk's like, "Well, I'm not going to be left behind," and so he jumps up, and then Spider Man's like, "Wait for me," and he swings up, and then Wolverine's just kind of standing there, and it's like, "Guess I have to take the elevator." Doesn't he say something like show offs? Yeah, yeah. And then he arrives at the top floor in the elevator. This issue is worth a whopping four dollars. Well, hey, that's more than cover price. That's true. Well, we'll we'll catch up on that story next time, but bef- but but for now we have to see what's happening in Punisher number thirty four. That indeed features on the cover Boba Fett Punisher. <laughs> so did you feel like this story because you liked the last story i did did you feel like this lived up to the last story i thought it was okay yeah i don't know the 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 setups generally the setups are usually better than the payoffs for just about anything in my opinion that's that's true so but yeah so the the reavers are still after the punisher they know that the punisher is not wolverine so they know that they're not after wolverine but pierce is like well you got to find him and bring him back. So, for some reason, you got to find his body because yeah. they think he's dead. So they hear the cops and they're like, "All right, well, let's head off to Pierce Pen- Pierce's penthouse." Uh, the Punisher and Microchip Microchip's like, "I got a cousin that can help us out." So they head off to the junkyard. There's a bit of mistrust, but it turns out the cousin has an exosuit and a bunch of weaponry. Yeah, he's like a uh, low low rent arms dealer sort of guy. So he's got a bunch of tech and guns and stuff, and you know he suits the Punisher's means for the moment. But he is definitely as soon as soon as this is over, the Punisher's coming after him. It's a means to an end, but it's definitely set up like, ooh, this guy's not not a good guy. Right. So um, Punisher gets into the exo suit and he's like, all right, well let's let's wait. Um, and microchip finds a modem finds a computer uh and is able to punch into i don't know who he's calling he is backtracking let's see he says here i don't know how he is backtracking the reavers but he finds them at donald pierce's um penthouse yeah he he somehow gets to the he says somewhere I'm not going to find it. But. He says on multiple occasions he needs a modem. So I don't know if somebody mentioned a phone number as they're walking away. He's like, well, I got to call it. Somehow he knows how to use a computer to get access to where these reavers are. 
And somehow, Pretty Boy, once they realize that a connection has been made between Microchip and the penthouse, is like, I got this, guys. And he sends his eyeballs through the phone lines, which is stupid. It didn't bug me. I mean, and the way that they the way that they do it is that he sends electricity through the the uh, computer waves, and I guess over the internet. And uh, when they come out the other end, the electricity. This is how I was imagining it: form eyeballs. So I don't think it's like I don't think they're like he sends his eyeballs through. I don't <laughs> no, think he... they go in one side and come out the other side. It's just that the way that they're represented on the other side is physical manifestations of eyeballs coming out of a computer screen. And it, and then uh, they're physical because the Punisher uses his knife to cut them off of the screen. Yeah. They're, they're definitely physical. Um, although they just kind of fizzle in the air and then they never, we never see them again. So I'm not entirely sure does did Punisher just keep them or do they actually fizzle away? So do you remember when we first met Pretty Boy and we first met Tiger Tiger? The way that he corrupts her is just kind of like looks at her and like like energy tendrils come out of his eyes and infect Tiger Tiger. And somehow That's sort of what this is. Well, and somehow that turned into like actual eyeballs. And so all I'm saying, Adam, is like I can accept sending superpowers through the phone line. Um, but I would have much rather seen this be like that sort of energy tendrils coming out of the computer screen at microchip and not like physical googly eyeballs. It's, it's a stretch, but it's, it's also a stretch that I accept because it's like, I don't think they're, I don't think they're as physical as you think they are. I think they definitely look the Punisher like physical cuts eyeballs. them off. I know, but the, the, he could also just say the Punisher like cuts the connection. Fair enough. Anyways, pretty boy hurts but one of the reavers there's like ah he'll be fine in a minute so i mean his eyes are not physically damaged at any rate they know where he is yep and and they're like that's okay um i've got these model trucks we can put bombs in them i've got grenades i got like all sorts of artillery so when these guys show up we'll be ready for them and so the reavers find a helicopter i'm guessing that was on top of pierce's penthouse and they yeah yeah, uh, they they uh, parachute into the junkyard and they open fire. We've come to mess you up. This is my kind of shooting gallery. And one of the cars goes right underneath somebody's foot. Bone breaker or I think it's Reese. Uh, Reese. Yeah. Yes. And blows and his legs explodes, off. Blows his legs off. But luckily, somebody has a pair of extra legs from the knee down. Yeah, somebody says, shut up and put these on and throws replacement <laughs> legs at him. So it's it's just fine. Just like they have extra chassis for, for Skull Crusher, yeah. Bone Breaker, whatever their names are. Um, um, Reese, or uh, uh, Pretty Boy looks around the corner with his crazy eyeballs and is like, oh, no, holy crap. And uh, when whatever it is comes around the corner, uh, Bone Crusher also says, oh, man. Pierce had better get a look at this. Struth. And there's a big, big giant um, robot monster coming at them. Yeah, and so when you when you first see the exosuit and the Punisher, you're like, oh, okay, it's like battle armor. But now you see it and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's like a, it's like a full-on mech. Yeah, and it's got bazooka arms. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Like, it's twice the size of, of Bonebreaker. And he, he blows up Bonebreaker's treads. That's okay. They've got replacement treads. Don't worry about that. Of course, yeah. 
And then there's a weird scene where Pretty Boy or somebody calls Pierce, but Pierce is getting it on with Lady Deathstrike, and uh, they're uh, they're busy. Pierce, the phone. Leave it. Leave it! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right, because there's nothing romantic about his voice. (laughs) It's just evil. We are going to make love now! (laughs) So this, I guess this goes back to, like, the plans... Uh, from last issue of like you go you boys go on we'll be fine here <laughs> you know, we're expecting a call but i'm i'm kind of in the mood <laughs> <laughs> right and so i guess lady deathstrike because she said in the last issue she's like i'll stay but only because it suits my purposes uh, i guess she was feeling a little freaky I, yeah, I'm in. I guess so. That's weird. I'm, it's I'm all curious because uh, Lady District is about to have a major run in Wolverine, and I want to know how they're going to like, deal with this. <laughs> they are not continuing. going to deal with this at all. I don't. Well, I mean, they're going to deal with the relationship with Pierce. Are they? But I wonder. I wonder if the relationship with Pierce is going to be completely different than this. The the other thing that I feel that is wrong about this is I don't I don't see Lady Deathstrike as being the the submissive one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, she the way that it's portrayed is that uh, Pierce is on top of her, and I'm like, no, she she's definitely on top. Yeah, I mean, so I I, I would agree with that. I guess I where's, don't where's my where's my no prize? I don't understand their relationship. <laughs> no. Even in the pages of X Men, I don't understand their relationship. So Me it seems it seems like she's not happy to be there. <laughs> not, I mean, here it seems like she's okay with it. Well, right. No, I'm not. This is this doesn't count, though. This is Punisher. <laughs> oh, clearly, Punisher is not reading. Re, the writer of Punisher is not uh, on board with. Like he didn't pass through through the Claremont's desk. <laughs> if uh, Lady Deathstrike was on Facebook, her relationship status would say it's complicated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, they, so they see, um, uh, Pretty Boy's robot hands forming a. Um, antenna to make this phone call and I think the cousin or That's microchip microchip uses a sniper rifle to shoot at that hand. But there's an eyeball up there with the hand and so he sees where the bullets are coming from and the hands, now two hands and two eyeballs, reach and start choking the life out of uh, microchip and then uh, well, Punisher a... in his robot suit also has a samurai sword. <laughs> yep, there's a, there's a <laughs> giant... Why not? Giant mech samurai sword that he uses to slice off pretty boy's hands. And he's he's also dropped his bazookas now for one of those predator guns. Yeah, yeah, like a Gatling gun with a with a big roll of of bullets and he starts firing at I don't know who. Uh probably pretty boy. When we get this awesome panel of Bonebreaker jumping over a bunch of scrap cars and now he's got a sword. Two swords. <laughs> yeah, where did he get swords? <laughs> it's Cowabunga <laughs> still, man. Bonebreaker coming at you. And it's awesome because, like, he's in silhouette and you get, like, all the motion from his, his little little tank chassis. And then the next panel, he crashes down on the exosuit and just starts chopping away at uh, at the Punisher with his swords. see the ramp that he had to drive up all of these cars to get to the top of. Well, during this whole, like, like the love scene and the antenna scene, it's been a minute since we've seen Bonebreaker. Not only did he have to put, like, his tank treads back on, but he sat there and, like, meticulously built this ramp. And he's like, okay, any minute they're going to, okay, we're ready. 
Vroom. Cowabunga. <laughs> yeah, and I guess in the junkyard, he probably found these extra swords. And he's like, this is going to look sweet. Or maybe it wasn't a ramp and it was more like a like a platform that just lifts him up off the air and he goes flying. I, they could probably put that together fairly quickly. I'm going to I'm going to say and I don't know this for a fact that he's got turbo boosters in his chassis. <laughs> he might as well. <laughs> <laughs> Little rocket turbo boosters that blasted him up over the the cars. Yeah, he know, he can't necessarily fly, but he can be propelled. Yes, exactly. Okay. So, uh Punisher's on the ground in his exosuit uh Skull. He's he is crushed by a bone crusher, so he can't move. And the 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 exosuit has two swords stabbing through, looks like the shoulder and the wrist. Yep. And it and the next scene makes no sense. But okay. so they're trying to pry off the helmet, and then we get a scene of the Punisher in the helmet, and he says, "Trip the chest harness." And then when he does, he just like springs free somehow, which, like you said, makes no sense. Which they can't even like do accurately as an artistic depiction because it doesn't make sense. So they have to do the whole thing in silhouette. Yeah. There's no way they could show this looking accurately. But he springs out of the thing and he's just completely in his Punisher suit. He leaves the whole thing behind. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so he grabs Microchip and he's like, run! And the exosuit blows up. Because apparently the spring detonation device also makes it into a bomb. And uh, Pretty Boy has lost now two pairs of hands. He even mentions it later. Like, oh, they took two pairs of my hands. My hands! Uh, Bone Breaker lost yet another chassis, so they grab him. And uh, they, f- they fly off? I guess they can fly. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Like, uh, they, they, I, I was just gonna imagine they jumped over the fence, but yeah, it looks like they're flying off. Maybe, Whee! maybe they do like a six million dollar man jump over the fence. <laughs> I don't know, but Punisher's like, up, oh, they're gone. There's nothing we can do about it. Whew! It's a good thing we're not dead. Good thing. Just three of them almost killed us. What if there are more? And uh, Microchip's like, oh, that's a brilliant cyborg design. Must be Kristoff. Let's find Elliot. Elliot, oh my god, you're dead. And Punisher thinks to himself, like, probably better this way because I was coming back for him. <laughs> if those zoot suitors hadn't killed him, I'd have to do it myself. Yeah, this is a fun issue. A lot of things didn't make a lot of sense, but, you know, it's fun. You know, it was just the last three pages that didn't work out well. It's clearly they, like, they ran out of time. And they were just like, okay, Punisher escapes and they leave. We're going to wrap this thing up. Yeah. Wolverine number 34. This was a good old fun issue. Yeah. If you if you needed your uh, Sylvestrian green fix, boom, it's right here. And if you needed your like random Wolverine past story fix, this has also got you covered. Yeah, you need you need a little tidbit of Wolverine origin, but nothing uh, substantial. Just enough to make you think that you know you it's get, it's, sub, it's substantial enough to make you feel uh, satiated, but it doesn't matter at all in the long run. No, not really. You get two little bits of Wolverine origin that yeah. if you're into Wolverine and it's the nineties, uh, which I was, yeah, you're like, what? Wow. 
Yep. But in the long run, you're right. It's just like, okay, you know, it, there's nothing here that ever needs to be retconned. Right. You could build off of it if you wanted to, or you could just leave it alone. Which is smart writing. Yeah. It's very clever. Good on you, Larry Hama. Yeah. So this issue... Uh, it's Wolverine's uh, out in the woods uh, in Canada. He's back in Canada for some reason. Apparently he doesn't know how he got here because he says, how did I get here? What did I do? He's naked and he's fishing with his claws when the local constable and deputy are like, hey man, we're tracking a wild animal. You look pretty wild. No bad blood between me and the RCMP, he says when one of them draws their guns at him. And holds it to his head. Maybe. Maybe not. Take one to take chances. Got a face that rings a bell. Like I saw it once. Maybe on a wanted poster. You been in these parts before? Wolverine doesn't remember. Uh, the deputy guy brings out a wanted poster. He's like, this man's bad news. He killed a whole bunch of people at his own trial. And now he's got a girl kidnapped. Athabasca Ike. Well, he doesn't say anything about the girl kidnapped. Wolverine no. figures that out by sniffing the air. And then the guys are like, wait, how did you know that? Did you, did you just figure that out by sniffing the air? And Wolverine said, I don't know. Uh, if you want help, I'll go with you. And they're like, okay. So they go with him. And uh, the sheriff guy, he's like, you know, there was this beast I was chasing. Got stuck in a bear trap. Had, a lot, had hair that looked just like yours. Tracked his blood. Him. Yeah, I shot him and I tra- followed his blood until it disappeared. Like it Is healed it himself up. Beastie healed itself up. Hey, stranger, you any good at tracking? I'm the best at what I do, he says from a nap. <laughs> He's just napping in the back of their truck. That's, that's very, I think that's very Wolverine to be like, yep, I'm here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to catch a rest. Let me know when you need me. So meanwhile, this bad guy, he's got the girl and he's taking her up a mountain for some reason. Well, he's escaping the Mounties, and he figures the deeper he goes, the more likely he'll get free. And uh, he spots the the RCMP there, so he throws the girl down, takes cover behind her, lines up his gun, and shoots the deputy through the heart, Wolverine through the leg, and out the bullet comes through the gas tank. The truck swerves, Wolverine saves the sheriff, the car explodes, and the sheriff's like, I saw you guys shot in the leg. How come you're okay? It's nothing. <laughs> Wolverine's like, yeah, don't worry about it. So then the guy starts telling the story about, is it, um, oh, World War II, 1944. Jumping out of an airplane. I had this corporal. He was fierce. He's crazy. God, I haven't thought about him in years. So you got to imagine this guy's a little lucid at this point. Because otherwise, why is he telling this story? <laughs> well, I think, I, I mean... I mean yeah, From an we, audience perspective, we know why he's telling the story, because the story matters to us. Right. But otherwise, it's just a weird time to start telling a story. Well, uh, you know, I think he's he's faced down with a a person and a face that he hasn't seen in you know, 2030, whatever timeline that is. So with all the adrenaline that's probably flowing and all this stuff that's been happening, it's probably kicking yeah. back memories and... While he doesn't necessarily need to tell the story while they're being fired at by a sniper, um, it, it makes sense that he'd be thinking about it. Yeah, and I'm fine with it because it all resolves itself well and whatever. He's, yeah. like you said, adrenaline. So Wolverine's like, all right, well, uh, I'm going to put my costume on and we're going to go find this guy. That's a pretty funky costume you got there. You one of them superheroes? 
Yeah, what about it? Well, maybe explain why your legs stop bleeding, maybe. Oh, says a hunter in the dark. Um, so throughout this thing, there's this monster tracking the the world as well. And the uh, it's the monster that the guy thought he shot. Yeah. And they talk about this monster and then the monster attacks Wolverine. He does tell, I guess his name is Doolin. He's like, Doolin, get away. It wants me. The beastie. How come you didn't sniff it out before this was before it was this close? Same reason I didn't sniff out Ike's ambush. The wind changed again. Mm-hmm. And then the uh, hunter in the darkness jumps on Wolverine. It's me. He wants um, the chief corporal, whoever he is. Doolin. Uh, he says, Doolin. I can't shoot in the dark without hitting you. Let me get a light on. And Wolverine says, don't worry about hitting me. Kill that light. Because as soon as he points the light at him and the were- werewolf, uh, the the bad guy, Ike, up in the mountain can see them now and takes a nice, and we already know he's a pretty good shot. Uh, and right as Wolverine gets slashed through the chest by the hunter in darkness, uh, the Doolin guy gets shot through the chest and drops his flashlight. Thud, thump. Uh, Kill the light. Where did I hear that before? And well, he starts wait, wait. flashing back to a previous time. Wolverine before that, right before that says, gotta hold everything in until my mutant power kicks in. So remember you were talking about how Wolverine was like ground down to his bones and was able to regrow himself. We're still at a phase where he's like, oh man, I got to like, I got <laughs> to hold myself together until my, my healing factor. In. Yeah. So, Evolution. so now the Doolin guy is like, where have I heard that before? And he, when they jumped out of the, the airplane on their parachutes, they got hung up in trees and, uh, Doolin here was like, oh, well, I gotta, I can't see what's going on. Let me, let me get some light on. So he flicks his lighter and the corporal yells, kill that light. It was the corporal. He was hung up in the tree, sawing through his shrouds with that big double-edged Fairburn knife of his. He had lost his rifle. I doused the light, but it was too late. And the Germans come after them, but then the corporal drops out of the tree and starts attacking the Germans. How'd I get to feeling so old again, says the old man as he's slowly dying. Chest hurts. Look at that ting. You're right, Gary. Uh, so the the light's still on, the hunter in darkness, and Ike up in the woods is now uh, taking aim and shoots the hunter in darkness. Wolverine thinks to himself, the hunter in darkness was just standing there like he was thinking real hard on something. When that big bore bullet snag- smacks through him like a noise, with a noise like meat hitting the table. Which I guess is like a thud. Sure. <laughs> it's like a slapping noise. Is he, is remembering... he remembering back to that icy winter? Getting your foot caught in a steel bear trap is not something you're likely to forget right quick. So apparent... cut to his flashback. Yeah, Wolverine was walking around the, the, the wintry forest all naked when he came upon this uh, hunter in darkness trapped in the bear uh, trap. Wolverine, who... Sort of has a um, oh, who's that artist? He's he's got the big hunched over and the yeah. Who was that? Was that Bill Sienkiewicz? Yeah, sort. Uh, I think so. Anyways, uh, it's reminiscent of some other art that we've seen from the uh, Havoc and Wolverine yeah. series. Yep. Uh, and then he he rescues the hunter in darkness and and pulls the the bear trap away. The hunter. I'm. I'm wondering if this takes place like shortly after Weapon X, when Wolverine has just escaped the Weapon X facility. 
I think it's designed to take place whenever it needs to take place. Yeah, but I feel like as a middle of the woods in Canada, Wolverine naked sort of thing. Yeah. I think they know that that's a part of Weapon X at this point. And I don't think they've written anything about it yet. But knowing what comes after this, I feel like it's a thing that they're all aware of that. Okay. Hama is just kind of like, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be that. But I think they are aware of it at this point. Brewing something up and ultimately Barry Windsor Smith is going to take the reins and like put pieces together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think at the same time he's doing that, Larry Hama is also doing that. So there's definitely like some sort of coordination. Sure. Uh, the, the hunter in darkness sees Wolverine and offers his throat to him, thinking that he's in trouble and can't get away anyway. And Wolverine, as you said, just takes the, uh, the trap off of him and walks away, leading the trail away from the hunter in darkness so that he can escape. And then we cut back to the present again, where the light's gone out. And now Ike is hoping to get another shot out. But uh, the girl that he has kidnapped kicks his rifle and starts running down the hill. And uh, the hunter in darkness starts going up the hill. And then Wolverine also starts going up the hill in order to try to rescue the girl. And he is in the exact same pose somehow as he was in the previous flashback. And the old man says, that walk, that stooped over posture, I knew it. I knew I saw you someplace before, and now I have a clear memory of all of it. That wild thing I tracked over the hills, the bear trap was clamped to its leg. It was dragging it along as if creating a trail. It wasn't the hunter in darkness I shot all those years ago. It was you. Wait, but how can that be? You also have the same voice as the corporal. They can't all be the same. Can they? Yes, I saw the corporal. He was, oh my God, I remember that awful, horrible sound. The sound of the corporal. Slicing up the Germans. So now Ike finds the girl and pulls out his lighter to light the way. And the hunter in darkness jumps out and kills him. Yep. Yeah. Rip, crack, pop, crunch, 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 crunch. And then we flip back to 1944 where Doolin is thinking that sound. It was like nothing I ever wanted to hear again. Bone cracking, meat being ripped. Corporal yep. hacking at the enemy, howling like a wild beast, uh, and and we do see a panel of him like stabbing with a knife. So he doesn't have he's not using his bone claws here. Well, he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, at, at this point we don't know there are bone claws, and we also think they want to present this before this is like before Weapon X. But Adam, so. we know from the future that he had his bone claws since he was a child. I don't know if Larry Hama knows that yet, though. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to 100% agree that Larry Hama has no no inkling, no thought, no designs that Wolverine had claws prior to Weapon X. Which they explain by saying that Wolverine doesn't know that he had bone claws. Sure, that makes sense. He goes on and thinks, the corporal, what was his name? It was something simple, a solid Canadian name. It was something like, and then he's in the present and he says, Logan. And then he dies. Wolverine, Wolverine walks up and says, dead. How did he know my name? Bum, bum, bum. And the issue is over. Yeah, it was, a, it was a good filler issue. Yeah, that's a great filler issue. Uh, you get you get a, a little bit of a little a little uh, uh, sample of Wolverine origin. Uh, a well-paced, interesting story. Doesn't change anybody's life, but still fun. It's the definition of a solid 
filler issue. Now, Marvel Fanfare number 55, on the other hand. <laughs> so this is part two of the uh, story that we talked about last issue where the uh, crazy evil scientist guy kidnaps Wolverine and is planning to use his Wolverine man uh, likeness in order to create man animal monsters. Manimals. Adam, how come we didn't cover the A-side story? Uh, we will. Okay. I just figured, you know, let's not let's not get every like uh, that would it's it's longer. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, I just happened to you know actually look at it and I was like, hey, magic's in that issue. Oh, yeah, and the we rest will of the we Indians. will cover it. I mean, it, it, we could cover it at any point because it it sort of takes place a while ago. Yeah. In fact, so, even mm-hmm. even the Al what's his face is like. There's a story behind this issue. It doesn't really take place at any time, but it's a story. Here you go. Yeah. Anyways. Which I think is what Marvel fanfare is. It's just stuff that doesn't go anywhere else. Death in the Dark Woods. Um, yeah. I don't even know. Uh, Wolverine. Uh, Wolverine plays possum a couple times. Yep. Um, because sometimes it doesn't work until it does. And then, um, I mean, if you need a reminder, the doctor here, he creates horrible man monsters, but, and I don't know why, but he, he wants to crack the code of the man and the monster. And he thinks that Wolverine is the key to doing that. And that's why he's captured him. And I think they want to grab whatever secret serum or sauce or whatever's in Wolverine and attempt to use it on this camping family they captured. His plan is to autopsy Wolverine or, I guess, dissect Wolverine and uh, just figure out what magic juju he has. But Wolverine won't ha- let that happen. And, of course, he escapes and chases the professor into the chamber of horrors that is the where the, the, the worst um, bunch of monsters are, the ones that are, uh, I guess he says... I look over the electrified fence and I see something I don't want to. The docks crowning achievements in their own native habitat, habitat, the ugliest ones too. These were the extreme recombinants, insane and doomed to die in extreme pain. The one who just, uh, one of the monsters just fell into the pit and is, gets completely uh, ripped, apart. ripped apart by these other monsters. So the doctor fires some needle rockets at Wolverine, which causes him to sort of topple over the fence, but he's able to hang on to the wall and, and keep his feet up away from these horrible monsters. And the doctor runs up and he's like, oh my God, um, I can't afford to lose any more of my experiments. You must die. But Wolverine grabs the doctor, flings him into the pit. But actually he doesn't, like, I mean... So he, it, that's what it looks like. But then the the caption says uh, he, loses he loses his balance. his balance and goes over. So keeping Wolverine from being the one who killed him. That's really not what the drawing is portraying, but fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> and At any rate, the doctor falls into the pit and the monsters all eat the, the doctor. Wolverine leaves. And now that the electrified fence is uh, gone, one of the monsters goes up to a fail-safe toxic jets button and presses the button to activate it, killing all of the monsters. Not just toxic jets, but toxic gas jets. Right, yes. And uh, yes, uh, Wolverine says, I have a handle on the whole situation except for two things, that the 
recumbent animals might agree with me and they might be smart enough to do something about it. And this like six eyed ape monster pushes the button to kill them all. Yep. And Wolverine then comes back. And I guess what we didn't say is that as Wolverine was sort of running away, uh, the campers are like, what are you, why are you leaving us? Uh, but rescue us. And he's like, eh, they're just going to get in the way. I'll rescue them later. <laughs> so he comes back to rescue them. And, and they're like, um, we're so happy that you rescued us. We knew you weren't like those creatures. Despite your claws, we knew you were just as human as us. And Wolverine says, lady, you don't know how wrong you are. And he leaves in a, in a heavy handed silhouette. Yeah. That, it's very strange drawing because there's, it looks like he, he's up in the air or something. Cause there's just mountains beneath him. Trees and mountains. Yeah, it's 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 not good. The family, weirdly enough, it keeps asking where the doctor is because they want to like they I guess they own a local newspaper and they want to bring his science and help him out, which is kind of a weird thing to do for somebody who just kidnapped you. But okay, so that brings us to Marvel Comics presents Wolverine number fifty-eight, our final issue of the evening. Um in which we still don't figure out who this mysterious other Wolverine is. We don't. But he he fights the Hulk, and uh, Hulk kind of fights back. It's really just a big fight scene. Finally, the guy's like, the guy realizes that he's not Wolverine, and he runs away and hides. Well, he knows he's not Wolverine at the oh. beginning. I think he just realizes that he can't fight the Hulk. I don't know what he realizes. Well, he says something at like, wait, what am I doing? What am I doing? What am I going to do? Yeah. And he's just tripping because he couldn't get his pharmaceuticals. And so then he runs off. Hulk frees all of these guys that were kidnapped originally. I'm not even sure why they were prisoners. Didn't Wasn't he sneaking into a uh, pharmacy that was closed in order to steal the drugs? I don't or know, whatever. but there's a, there's a bunch of cops with bazookas and stuff outside. Well, yeah. What kind of a cop doesn't have a bazooka? <laughs> Standard issue. So, I don't know. I feel like it was some sort of a hostage standoff situation. Okay. I don't know. That, that makes sense. Uh, they, were, they heard something on the radio. It was probably that. Hostages by a guy who looks like Wolverine. I better go check it out, said the Hulk last issue. And he does. And now this guy is beaten and he says, I don't want any of this. I'm beginning to believe that. Besides... You remind me of a friend. I won't hurt you. Trust me. It's it's about time I tried trusting somebody. Might as well. You be don't you. remember me, do you? Um, um, and I guess he passes out. Maybe take it easy. You, you don't, don't have to tell, tell me. me. I don't I do know you. you now. <laughs> I know who you are. Only it can't be. You're dead. But we're not going to tell the listener or the the listener. We're not going to tell the listener because they don't tell the reader. Wolverine was not in that issue. Was he at the beginning? I thought he was at the beginning, but I guess not. Yeah, he's at the beginning. Oh. Okay. I'm, I'm, he uh, He's going to have to go back somewhere. I Who's trying to screw up my life? Somebody. Somebody's trying. I better go back there. I stand corrected. So it all, it'll all probably come together next issue. And is that the last? I mean, I'm, I'm waiting for this one to be over. It hasn't been that. This is not my favorite by any means this is part five of eight so we're not even close oh god we passed the halfway point oh thank goodness at least they're at least they're short i guess how long are they going to tease who this person is before we finally figure out who it is you said you already know who it is right 
I suspected that it was Owlman or Owl, the Owl, or an old Daredevil villain, but I'm starting to think that it's some other thing. Wasn't the Owl supposed to be the fa- or, uh, X-Factor's nemesis and they retconned him into Apocalypse? I think you're right, yeah. Because hmm. they decided he wasn't cool enough. Maybe that's why he's upset. That could be. I was, I was supposed, supposed to be X-Factor's arch nemesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, there you go. That's uh, that's a wrap. B-sides. That's B-sides for you. Um, so if you'd like to chime in and let us know, like, hey, I don't care about these B-sides. Get to the meat or keep it up, guys. You can do so by visiting us at www.xmenpodcast.com, facebook.com forward slash Danger Room Podcast, or Twitter us at Danger Room Go. You can email us, dangerroom at xmenpodcast.com, or go out to iTunes or wherever you pick up podcasts to subscribe and leave feedback and, and all that good stuff. Uh, um, also, don't forget to check out patreon.com forward slash Danger Room, where we've resumed our Dawn of X talk currently talking about patreon exclusive episodes yeah it's currently talking about x of swords lots of crazy stuff happening over there we covered chapter one and chapter 10 and it didn't really matter that out (laughs) (laughs) uh our theme music is provided by laszlo hollyfeld anything else adam no i think we we did a lot of extra stuff at the beginning talked about cool things like i don't even remember yeah yeah, they were so cool. They're not even worth talking about again. Bitcoin, probably. <laughs> yep we 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 solved the mystery of Bitcoin and and how you too can get rich. All you need to do is send Adam and I a Bitcoin and we'll, <laughs> one Bitcoin, and we'll be rich, and you won't, or something and, like that. Uh, and send us some NFTs. Oh my God! Yeah, just wait for our line of NFTs, everybody. You know, we could re- we could release a podcast as an NFT, and you could you could own it. Everybody yeah. else could have it, but you would own it, right? So that well, sounds I mean, like a deal. We would own it too. Is that how NFTs work? I thought once you like put it out there and sold it, like it was that person's. Well, I think so. So with the Beeple thing, where the guy what the hell's um, Beeple? He's one. He's the guy that sold his oh his he, yeah okay. art for millions and millions of dollars. He still owns his artwork, but whoever bought it also has the exclusive digital rights to it. It's a wild time, everybody. I mean, you know, from I've I've spoken to a couple artists about it, and it's exciting for artists because <laughs> well, of, course, of course it is. I'm going to sell you nothing and get lots of money. Well, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, listen, <laughs> I'm digi- digital digital art has not really had a medium for salesmanship the way that the way that like paintings have so this is the first time that like you know you you go to an auction you get you see an original painting you pay a billion dollars for it that's how it used to work now i can make a jpeg that everybody have but you can you can pay me a million dollars for it well right but nobody's going to pay you a million dollars for your jpeg because you're not an artist well not with that attitude (laughs) You're not you're not a renowned artist. Let me put it that way. Anybody can be an artist. Well, not uh, yet. But like Beeple is a fairly well known artist who did like I think like five years worth of art, which is what this thing was. It was like a daily a daily digital piece of art for five years or something like that. So however many pieces of art that was, he sold for forty million dollars or something crazy like that. 
it's the same thing as buying a painting that sort of i mean that's the that's the mentality that i'm trying to understand obviously it's very different i'm sure i'm just too old to understand it and the kids are all about the nfts I mean, you know, somebody also sold their farts, <laughs> like recordings of their farts as an NFT for like 25 bucks. So it's it's a very uh, weird – if you know, dear listener, more about NFTs than we do, which it's hard not to. Yeah, it's almost a guarantee. Uh, let us know uh, what the deal is with <laughs> NFTs. <laughs> yeah, and, and we'll we'll sell you an NFT episode. I mean, if we <laughs> – if anybody out there could help us do that, sure, why not? Let's try it. <laughs> oh my god! All right, uh, you, you can own our first episode. Sure, yeah, we'll sell the first episode as an NFT, and and that'll be something. It'll probably go for like a quarter. We've we've but fallen it'll be off a quarter of Bitcoin. Yeah, well, uh, we've fallen off the rails, Adam. So we got to shut it down. Okay. okay. All right. So until next time, my name's Jeremy. My name's Adam, and the danger room is closed. Yeah.